Hello and welcome once again everyone to a different type of episode of Waiting to be Signed, the show where we reveal the week's events on FX Hash. My name is Will. I'm joined by Trinity as always. And this week, no disclaimer, because I don't think we have too much to talk about on the FX Hash side. Disclaimer, have fun. Yeah, ignore the volume numbers that are precipitously dropping day over day. 1.0 is right around the corner. We hope. Well, I will I will plug the Twitter account, which is at waiting to sign, and Instagram, which is at waiting to be signed. And of course, the donation wallet at waiting to sign.tez or just waiting to sign.tez. So slow week, no new mints, secondary market. It's dead. Dead, drying up. A few new whales have come in, made some purchases, a couple small runs, but definitely not enough to make a show. No. We could spend about five minutes talking about the Lisa Orth run. That was pretty cool. But that's it. I mean, that's all. <laughs> that's Just it. the artists people have known about for a long time. I'm sure a lot of people had uh, on their, their to-do list to collect some Lisa stuff. And you still can. It's just not going to be as cheap as it was a week ago. That was an insane moment where Astral Loom went from a floor Fortes, I think, up to 50 or 60. Yeah, I was wild. like, I was going to get another one, but I guess not. That's cool. But always be on your toes. You never know when somebody might be lurking in the shadows, just ready to do the whole vacuum. That, that was basically it. So what did we decide to do t- today is instead record an episode talking about us and giving some more context to our friendship and our history and you know what led to us even coming together to work on a project like this. The podcast once upon a time <laughs> many 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 years ago no, i'm kidding well it is many years ago you you wrote here it's 2006 is that right it is 2006 is when we first met september back in back in college exactly we, we won't disclose the school <laughs> we'll try to keep a little bit of anonymity here but i was a senior you were a freshman and as anyone who's listened knows or as probably gathered, we met through Magic, um, playing the Magic the Gathering, yeah. the card game. There was someone on campus who was trying to start a club and sent out an email. We both saw it. That person was fine, but we certainly weren't as interested in, in being friends with them as we were with each other. <laughs> so, you know, we kind of just came together through Magic, made our small group, and kind of played, I don't know, would you describe it as semi-professionally? Is that too generous? Uh, I would say aspirationally, professionally. Uh, It's when you do that thing where you're doing all the right things. You're playing real decks, going to all of the tournaments, trying to get into the higher echelon of tournaments so that you can, quote unquote, go pro, which apparently is no longer a thing, which is very sad. Um, My dreams from childhood have been vanquished. But I would say that for that first year that we knew each other, we basically just did nothing but play magic, watch movies, cook food. The the caliber of cooking was very different back then. <laughs> it was it was very new to all of us, I think. But yeah, we, we there was a while there where we were going to F and M every weekend and drafting. This was back during Time Spiral Block, and I think you or I basically won every single time we went more or less exactly it's because that's all we did all week 
that's all we did was was play magic and think about it and consume content kind of very similar to what we're doing now with fx hash to be honest it's just going deep on something and just getting obsessed and staying obsessed and you you know you accumulated quite a few good cards from that Grails. store off the store credit yeah some tropical islands um force of wills too no i just stuck to the dual lands but for people who don't know magic the gathering um you know essentially we were getting our beta blue chips just at a discount i'm trying to think of like the what the equivalent might be like just going to a tournament putting in you know 10 or 15 tez and then just getting a contra or getting a loom in return basically that's what we were doing and you had fun while while playing exactly so let's see i'm trying to think if there's any standout stories from that time i i think actually the the can the canada trip occurred after i graduated but while you were still in school that might have been during the summer that you were interning it was um because it was asher that's right so the in the, in the magic era back when there was still a lot of organized play in the game we were into going to whatever tournament we could we could feasibly get to that was within say like a four to six hour drive. And there was an opportunity to go to a grand prix in Montreal. And this was, I, this must've been 2007 or 2008. I was out of school working and then you were interning with us at the job, the game design job over the summer living with us, I think actually in Washington Heights probably yeah. at the time as well. And we had a bunch of other interns, some of which were as young as high school. So Asher in particular, was a very good player, but young, and wanted to go with us to the Grand Prix in Montreal. I was going to drive. And we were like, sure, man, if you want to chip in for gas, if you can you know, chip in for a hotel, it was going to be like six people sleeping in a hotel room floor. You know, We're always happy to have another person sharing the cost. And you know, he had a passport. He was good to go. But the question was, did he need a note from his mom to go? To Canada. Now, this seemed like a very stupid question that only a young person would ask, <laughs> right? He was very concerned. He was very concerned that we, we were going to get to Canada and that the, the deal breaker as to whether or not he'd be able to get in would be if there was a note from his mom giving him permission. Now, of course, we got up there. We got into Canada just fine. We all did very badly in the tournament and turned around like the day or two later to come home. And crossing into the U.S., we got stopped. You know, the border security is a little more severe. And the border agent looked at all of our passports and saw that Asher was the only person under 18 in the car and asked him if he had a note from his mother. (laughs) And uh, we had been kind of trolling him the entire trip over how absolutely stupid he was for thinking this at all would be a factor in the trip. And so when the guard asked this, we all started laughing, which is a bad move at the border. Yeah. <laughs> at the border. So he asked us to pop the trunk, started looking at stuff and, uh, we, we got, we got through luckily, but it was a pretty surreal experience to have that kind of full circle. Yeah. Why would you ask for a note from, from someone's mom? It's wild. And I, I think the kicker was that getting into Canada, no problem coming back yeah. from Canada. It's like, what are you going to do? Keep this kid away from his mom? Like, with the French-speaking people, come on. He has to get safely back to his New York haven. But that was a really fun summer. That was a great summer. I think also like Worlds was in New York that summer. 
mm-hmm. one of the last big world championships that was actually in a big like tier one city before they cut back the budget and started moving away from those big locations. So that was like at the Javis Center. And so we did that. That was just a great summer of playing magic and drafting and and working on a card game, right? Like we were making kind of your first internship, my first real job in game design. Yeah. It was a bunch of people under the age of 22 sitting in a room getting paid. Well, you were getting actually salaried. I think the rest of us were getting paid a solid $10 an hour, which was amazing at the time. At the time, most internships were unpaid. Yeah. Probably still is the case. Uh, I think they banned that a long time ago, but you know, somebody can do some research and let us know. But it was a really fun summer. Uh, we were making the, the best selling card game in Canada. So not Pokemon, not Yu-Gi-Oh. We're not that baller. Not magic. <laughs> not magic, but a different game. And just playing it all day, every day. We were inventing it, testing it, you know, taking it to game conventions across the country, doing that thing where even though we were working for an ostensibly real company, just six people in a hotel room lying on the floor those are really the good old days, I guess. It's so different now, right? Both of us having like real real jobs and real careers versus what we were doing at the very start. Everything was so bootstrapped at that company. I think between me, John, the two founders and like Billy and Drew, it was like six people who were salaried. Everyone else was interns. But it was, it was so cool because not only were we making the game, but we were like designing the methodologies for making the game, mm-hmm. right? Like there was no template for here's how you test a card game. Here's how you build a gauntlet. So it really honed a lot of strategic thinking, right? Beyond just looking at the cards in context and building, building a deck. It was like, how do we even go about figuring out what's good and what's not? So that, that was really fun. Yeah, it really was fun. And it was also a great benefit to be one of the older interns working there. Because I got out of the duty of printing everything out in a template, you know, because we didn't have actual cards to play with, you know, so you're just kind of printing things out on paper. So and like scribbling out words that are no longer relevant, um, just to construct any sort of prototype of the game itself. And so it was the, the, the younger teens who had to go through and get their scissors and spend an hour just putting the prototypes together. It was sucks for them, but yeah. it was fun. I mean, sometimes you would spend an, an hour putting a deck together, play five games with it, and then realize it's just bad. <laughs> and yeah. all that time is it was wasted, but it was wasted, but it, and it wasn't, right? Like you learned something, but the ratio of grunt work to actual fruitful gameplay was not always one-to-one. Yeah. I mean, I think it was also a really fun summer because it was our first time like living together. You know, we had the shittiest apartment that I've ever seen. I think my parents came to visit and they were shocked. It was just one giant fire trap for the most part where, you know, the stove is just lined with loose cardboard. You know, oh, yeah. There are bugs everywhere. It's you know, the quintessential dirt bag apartment that you get when you're, I don't know, 20 when you're first living in the city and you're making an extremely small amount of money, it was like a, so that apartment was up in Washington Heights near the Yeshiva university. The lease was still controlled by a Yeshiva student who had graduated and he had gone on. He was a lawyer now and he was married and he had, you know, a family, 
but he kept that apartment primarily like he had his room that which he said was his office and he would come there from time to time but mostly i think he just used it to like mail himself weed from amsterdam because he he was always in there smoking weed and he would have these like little cards and he was lined with like uh dryer sheets and he was like oh yeah like i mail it i mail it here i have someone mail it to me here this is like before you had apps and all that like in new york now you the, the idea that you would mail yourself weed from amsterdam is like absurd but that's what he was doing or maybe he was also just like using it as like solo time, like a place to go, like a refuge from work and whatever his situation was. But yeah, that apartment, when we moved there, the room I had was like a mattress on the floor, a really old CRT TV in the middle. And that was it. And like, just like the mice running (laughs) around the perimeter of the room at night. And somehow it all felt okay, which is wild. (laughs) That's what you did. Come on. Yeah. It just was like, Hey, I'm living on my own. This is what I can afford. I could even then between that and student loans, like not even really afford it. But uh, when you came in, I, did we split rent? You must've paid a little bit or something. Yeah. We split rent. I I feel like it was a really bad deal for our roommate because we were each paying, I think $800 for the room. And then we actually like shared a, like one of the, the large room. Yeah, you and I. And we, I think that, we made that it so that we each beds. paid 400 and the, our other guy. Yeah, our friend John. He paid 800 which feels inequitable, but. Yeah, so John worked with, uh, worked with us, and he was also a high school friend of mine. And he had quit his job in banking to come work for us because he wanted to get into game design. And so, yeah, he, he had the bigger room initially. I had the smaller one, but then the summer that you came in to live with us, it was like, well, John, like, let's swap. You take the smaller room. You pay a little bit less. Trinity and I are going to take the bigger room. And the real catch was that there was an air conditioner in that room that John always thought was broken. I don't know why. But then the second we got in there and we tried messing around with it, we got to work. No, I think we plugged it in. We that, plugged that, it in. Well, that he, was the he thing. He claimed it wasn't working. Uh-huh. He claimed it wasn't working. And so he would come in there and we would like, we'd hear him at night, like walking around. We didn't want him to know that he had given up the air conditioner room. So we like turned it off and he'd be like, wow, it's really cool in here. Like yeah, man. I guess just the the draft, the breeze, like, yeah, <laughs> like the, the airflow dynamics. Open. Yeah, it's really cranking. We we also we also kind of gently talked him into getting Rock Band, which was an awesome thing. It was like, like we were like two super or hundred, two or three hundred dollars at the time, right? And obviously, we didn't have money. Yeah, I think we I think we may have like soft committed to splitting it with him at some point, but I'm not sure that we ever did that. Yeah. I mean, the reason that it mattered was because the, I think we threw out that CRT TV that was in your old room. Um, There was a nice big flat screen in like in the room that we shared, because I guess it was the living room technically. It was his room. I mean, it was his TV that he brought from home. Oh, so So it it was was John's TV Yeah, with his rock band. And then it was just literally in our room and he, okay. Yeah, yeah. Nice he people, he basically he was being nice and letting us take the take what was essentially his his room that he had all set up his way for the summer. Yeah. So when I think of that time, I think of cool AC, somebody else's rock band, playing lots of games. Basically, just we were cooking, we were working, we were on the subway, we went to the gym. It was just the full blown Trinity and Will show. We were we were just living our best degenerate life. It was fun. I don't think we got mad at each other. Maybe no. once. We watched all of Alias. Mm-hmm. That was great. <laughs> great show for anybody who hasn't seen it. It's uh, J.J. Abrams' first show before Lost. 
I'm not going to say it's better than Lost, but I enjoyed no, it, it, it goes, more. It goes off the rails in different ways, or in, in a lot of the same ways that Lost does. Very, very enjoyable. So let's see, after that, like you were back at school, I was in the city working, and we didn't really get to see each other too, too much because, you know, you were a full-time student. Yep. Out of the city. Yeah, out of the city. I mean, not, not too far away, like a half hour. So I'm sure we... I'm sure we still got together and like did magic tournaments and stuff like that, but it was not on a weekly basis. Like at some point you moved back to, to, to Connecticut. And then after that, when you came back into the city, you were like, I think you're working in New Jersey as well. Yeah. So, so, there was, so that game design job, you know, we, we lost the contract to make the card game and the founders did their best to kind of keep us on, you know, paying us more or less out of their own, pocket and savings until finally it just became unsustainable and we had a few other odd jobs here and there like we made a board game for twilight and stuff like that but nothing that paid the bills the way that the card game did and so finally it was just like you guys like sorry but we can't pay you anymore and we were we were fired you know it was just that was just the reality of it and so we had to move move back to connecticut um for a few months until i got that job in jersey and that was a whole different era where I was like, I actually lived in Jersey for a few months, which was ugh, terrible. That was wild. No offense yeah. to people who live in New Jersey, but you right. get it. But it was, it was a good, you know, the job was an important job in my career to further bridge myself into game design and working with brands, right? Like I went to work at a company that was doing stuff for like Marvel and DC and Harry Potter and just like they had a ton of licenses. And so I got a, a lot of experience working working and making games on or for big brands, which helped me a lot with my career now. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how that first job, because after uh, Will left that company and because everybody was fired, you know, I graduated from school a few years later and they had spun it back up. And so I was able to benefit from being able to work there, you know, as like their first new hire. You know, I was all of 22 or 23 years old working by myself, managing an intern. Amazing. It's another intern. Again, making more of the board games and digital card games. And, you know, we both kind of spun this random little company skill set that we acquired into completely different areas. You know, you definitely went much more like the brand licensing side of things. That's why, you know, everything there is to know about, like, you should get a lawyer. When in doubt, get a lawyer. Yeah, working, you know, I've, I've kind of doxed myself professionally at this point, more or less. So I feel comfortable saying like, yeah, I work at, well, now I work at Warner Brothers, but I've essentially been an HBO employee for like 10 years doing all of the video game licensing for Game of Thrones and like some of the other stuff. So all of my experience prior working with big brands and making products for them, like allowed me to cross over onto the brand side and work work in the corporate world, like in brand management and, and partner relationship and stuff. So yeah, it was definitely interesting that going from those small, small companies where you have to kind of do everything and learn everything allowed, yeah, allowed me to kind of specialize in that way and become very much like a brand person. And then, yeah, the lawyer stuff and, and the over concern has just been the trauma of working in a big corporation for 10 years and how risk averse everyone is and kind of the processes that we go through to make decisions. Yeah. Whereas I don't know a single thing about the law other than to make sure to get things legally reviewed. Uh, I spun game design into 
working on digital games and then taking that and working in gamification and behavioral design. So kind of going the other direction. And then that's kind of led me into a world of just trying to create excellent experiences. So I really don't know what I do, <laughs> to be honest. I'm experienced strategist, product strategist, but always kind of going back to those roots of trying things out, making sure that they're usable, making sure that they are going to meet like the need of a of like your customer, your the brand. Like it's like what is the the game that you're making? Who is it for? Like what is like the IP, for example, Twilight is a great example. We want to make something that speaks to Twilight and make it super Twilighty and also makes it fun for, you know, 12 year old girls at a sleepover. I don't know. But you don't really do so much like direct game stuff anymore. No, but the same principles apply. Right, right, right. So let's see. I'm trying to think like we, I know we lost the chronology a little bit there. We jumped ahead, but. That's okay. The big, one of the big things we did, like obviously you went to Japan for a little bit. That was really fun. I came to visit you in Nagoya, but we really didn't do anything different than we normally would. No, we, <laughs> we just watched played movies. magic. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> yeah. We went to Izakaya's and in Nagoya only has like this orange miso. So it's just mm-hmm. like eating miso every day and delicious chicken wings like tebasaki, which is like wings that are kind of fried twice. Super good. We weren't overly adventurous. I would say we went to the same Izakaya like two or three times in the week that you were there. It was like right below the hotel or right around the corner from it. Yeah. And Nagoya wasn't, it didn't feel that big to me either. No, it felt big at the time, but after having another decade under my belt in New York, it's a lot smaller for the most part. So then kind of what happened, you you know, you were living separately, you were working for that same company that now reformed. I was living separately, working for that company in New Jersey. I guess you were living with our friend, Steve. Yes, our friend Steve, who we also went to school with. Who is a much better magic player than us and who coincidentally I've been working with off and on professionally on the Game of Thrones side too. He's had uh, some involvement in one of the games that we made. That apartment you lived in was really bad. Mm -hmm. Steve moved out. I don't remember if he left the city entirely. No, no, he didn't. He moved somewhere else. The, The story with that apartment was that there was no internet and I believe there was also no heat. So he had stopped paying rent. I was subletting from him and we essentially broke our lease and fled literally in the middle of the night. So I was like, Will, Steve and I were fleeing on this particular day. We need to find a place. Do you want to live with me again? Right. Is that how it went down? Yeah. And so, and I was just living by myself, I think at that point. Yeah, in you Queens. were in Queens. And so I was like, yeah, this, this year of solitude I've had, I'm, I'm good on it. So we randomly found a place in Harlem. Yeah. Super close to the park. Really close nice. Close to the park. It was like 116th Street or something. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Not a fire hazard. Um, <laughs> only one or two mice, which was okay. Right. Well, you kept, every time we caught them, you wouldn't let them be disposed of. You freed, you freed them. Well, I just, <laughs> the glue traps, man, they get you every time because it's just yeah. this tiny little fuzzball who's just stuck and... I have a, a big heart, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But yeah, that, that was a cool, you know, that was like a really nice, big, I mean, compared to every other place I've lived, like that apartment was spacious. It was like really nice. The kitchen was not great. 
and the bedrooms were not amazing, but like the living room was nice and big. And mm-hmm. at least that's my memory was that it was really. It was east facing, so you got all that large. nice morning light. It was yeah. it was a good it was an upgrade for sure. And we we lived there for what like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, about together. that. I lived there for four years, but again, it was back to the same old thing: cooking every night, playing lots of games. Um, at some point, Diablo three came out. Diablo three came out after like a decade of delay. Yeah, that was so exciting for me personally. Did you play that though? I don't really think like, you played that much. Did you? I think it came out a little bit before you left. Just as I was leaving, I that did, makes sense. I yeah. got a lot of hours under my belt with that, but okay, I don't have as much patience for like sticking to the the RPGs as you do. You go like. You go hard for the games, and I'm. That's true. I I just I I get so like monomaniacally focused on whatever my thing is at the time, be it a game or be it making a podcast. <laughs> you know, right now it's been that. It's a good. Um, it's a good quality. Yeah. So this is easily the longest stretch of no gaming I've had, like in in my adult life, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Still borderline. Addictive personality, gambling yeah, addiction, yeah. gaming thing. Oh, yeah. But is it games? No, it's not actually games. It's just tangential. We were just hanging out, still playing. I don't think we were playing as much Magic then. We would play online from time to time, but we weren't going to like tournaments. No. We were watching Friday Night Lights. Yeah, Tammy. Great show. Yeah. Mrs. Tammy Coach, Taylor. I love her. And going to shows. Lots of concerts. Yeah. What are some of the concerts that you recall? Uh, honestly, I don't remember off the top of my head. It was so long ago. Was this Justice? Like, is this when we went to see Justice? No, we saw Justice when I was in college. I remember that because it was my first show. Maybe Girl Talk? Definitely Girl Talk. Yeah. So lots of good shows. You know, We had time. We were making marginally more money, but still not that much. But enough that we could buy concert tickets, I guess. Yeah. And then, I, do you remember this, the baby formula incident that I've written down here? That was, I think, more of your incident where... But you were living there, so how do you there, not... I living there, but like you were the one... I, I'm... It's just... I don't know what this is. This is a will thing. But you were like very concerned and you were taking care of it, you know? Well, rightfully so, it turns out. So, yeah, the building we lived in was... In, you know, it was a older building you know harlem is like i bet really gentrified now it was still pretty gentrified then but not nearly as it was now and it was just there would be there would be incidents on the block like there was one time that someone like almost got shot outside the block you know i don't don't know if you remember that i think someone shot like a shot and missed at someone on the corner so there there was like still some sketchy nighttime activities happening in the area Mm -hmm. but never anything where we were like felt unsafe or any there was never any instance in the building or anything like you'd walk by and the people on the street knew you lived there so no one would give you any trouble or anything like that it wasn't like that but one day i guess maybe you maybe i had gotten home before you and there was a box of baby formula in front of our door on like the third floor or fourth floor whatever floor we were on fully taped up with no marking no postage no writing on it just like a sealed box but, and it was baby formula, right? It was like a reused baby the formula box. box. No, I didn't open okay. it. Okay. 
It was a sealed the, the, box of baby formula. The box, right? The box itself was like a baby formula box, but it was all taped up and it had no shipping info or anything on it. And we've heard, I could hear like on the floor, like sometimes you'd hear babies, right? Like people who have young kids and stuff. So I'm like, this must be like a weird delivery. One of the neighbors who has a baby, it must be for them. So I had never really like talked to the neighbors or knocked, but I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to home this package, knocked on a few doors. No one wanted it. Didn't say it was theirs. I didn't want to go to the other floors and investigate that way. So I just kind of took it into the house and it chilled in the entryway. And I'm sure we debated opening it a couple of times. You were very concerned about the safety and the delivery of this box. I mean, and rightly so you wanted to make sure that whatever baby needed it was going to get it. Whatever baby needed it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You should have just kept that. And uh, I I considered a number of things. I considered like throwing it away. I considered like putting it back in the hall or down the lobby. I considered like taking it to the police and just surrendering it it to them. I definitely did not want to open it. And then it must have been, it couldn't have been that long. Maybe it was like a week or two. The most agonizing week. Yeah. Someone knocked on the door. There's like big dudes standing in the door. He knew he knew which apartment to come to. And he was just like, I think you have a package for me. <laughs> and I was like, I do have a package for you. <laughs> and I just handed him the box and he took it and walked away. There was no like, thanks for looking after it. There was no like, you didn't see this or anything like mm-hmm. that. It was just a very unceremonious, handed him the box. He took it. Never saw him again. Never saw him again. I feel like I did my part, good or bad, in, in doing something there. <laughs> but I like to think for the good. And you're technically accomplice to that too. So, you know, technically by living in the apartment. Exactly. Exactly. So I have some skin in that game, I guess. And I, that was a really fun apartment to live in. You know, as you said, you, there are some characters on the street we got used to. You know, we lived around or around, yeah, we did live around the corner from an awesome pizza place. And there was a really, really good like brunch spot a block away. They too. had the best had huevos. Amazing, yeah. Well, I, I love their pancakes. Their pancakes were so yeah. good. But yeah, eventually what happened, what we were doing like the online dating thing and I met the now Mrs. Pop and we decided to go move in together and you hung around for a little bit longer. One of your friends moved in with you. Different vibes for sure. Different vibes. And it, again, kind of a period of not really... You know, even though it was not very far geographically, like you moved to Brooklyn, that is forever. Yeah, I was in Brooklyn. You were still in Harlem. It's like an hour to get there one way or the other. So it wasn't until you moved to Brooklyn yourself. Yeah, that was actually a really big impetus was to get out of Harlem and out of that apartment, even though it, though it was great and super cheap. Everybody I knew was somewhere else. You know, you were elsewhere. Other people I knew where they were in Brooklyn. It's just I never saw anybody except for my roommate. So there was a big you know, push. Take, to take them a room. Roommates, yeah, roommates can be like, at first it can be great. And then it's like, all right, I need diversity. No, <laughs> right? no, no. So yeah, did you go right to the apartment you were living in now or did you have another place in between? No, I had another place in between. Um, it was a little bit further out oh, from right, where you right. were. I was in Crown, in Crown Heights. Heights. like more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was pretty nice. It was a huge three bedroom. You know, we got an, another roommate and that worked out pretty well. Lots of cooking, definitely different vibes because it was with um, some of my uh, female friends from college. So 
So not so much Diablo 3. No, less Diablo 3, <laughs> less magic. Friday Night Lights, no magic. Mostly just uh, cooking and wine parties. I don't know. But it was it was still good. It's differently different. I don't know. And is this around the time that you were you you were getting into beer? Because I feel like you kind of got me into beer. In yeah. So I was dating somebody at the time, and that was one of the things that we had bonded over was our intense love of beer. And we were always chasing around the city, like going and finding like different beers, and like where were they? And did you get this? Hill, did you see that there was this hill farmstead here? Let's go. And so I think that was pretty infectious overall. It was right around the birth of New England IPAs. Right. And also like the real, now in retrospect, kind of like the real like apex or acme of barrel-aged stouts and yeah. like the mania around those. Like that's kind of how you, you got me hooked in. Mm -hmm. I was always like fine with beer. I was not really seeking it or caring too much about it. But we you we went to a bar that was serving. It was either KBS or CBS. It was both, I think. CBS, yeah, like just two different barrel aged stouts, like very flavorful, and got some really expensive pours of beer. And I was like, "Whoa, I've never had anything like this." And that kind of like got me into stouts, which then got me into other types of beer, which got me into home brewing and like trading beer and all this stuff. And I, I would say just going deep again, like this is the uh, yeah. the theme with you. You know, I think we're discovering on the homebrew scene. You know, I, I, I remember we made that a first batch together, I think using a malt kit, which mm -hmm. for people who don't know, it's basically like a tub of like sugary sludge that you put into boiling water and then voila, you have beer. Something like that. Yeah, that, that first batch, but then immediately upgrading after that to like, a system that used grain and you know first we were doing bottles and then i was like bottles suck like and i got a kegerator and we started kegging it and you must have come over to brew at least like a dozen batches with me exactly do i know how I to brew say. beer right now probably not because the the trick to making beer is that you have to be drinking beer while you're doing it right and so i'm a bit of a lightweight and so i get like two pours in and i'm like yeah, we're we're I'm stirring this. It's great. Do I know what like the like the absolute gravity is? No, is that even a word? I don't know. Yeah, it's not a specific gravity. Specific gravity. For, but right. very close, close enough. Very close, close enough. Yeah. So yeah, that was great. We got into climbing. You know, we got which is uh, how we've met some of our other friends and like some of our magic other magic playing friends. Now we got into crypto, <laughs> which is how we got here right like mm -hmm. i actually got into crypto like in 2020 like full-on through a neighbor in my building who was telling me about chain link we were like hanging out on the roof he was just like oh dude like this chain link thing i bought is like up to like 18 bucks i was like what is that i don't even know what that is is that like a stock he's like no no it's like a cryptocurrency and i got it for like two dollars last year and i knew it was gonna be big and it's like 18 dollars now and I was that's like, pretty Shit. good roi yeah yeah. And I, and all this time, you know, I like had multiple, I had flirted with crypto a couple of times. Mm -hmm. You missed your big opportunity to get Bitcoin at 10 or 15 bucks. We don't yeah, need to talk about that. It's a story. Everyone has a story like that. You know, I was talked out of it from uh, someone, the person I worked with in Jersey who I looked up to was like, you, the government will take this away from you. Like, don't buy I mean, it. They might still take it away from us. Exactly. So, you know, he, he could be proven right. 
but you know, because of COVID, it was like, I actually have time to sit down and look at this stuff and like learn about it. And it took a year for me to come around to NFTs. And then just as I was getting into the NFT point is when like, I feel like you broke through and we're like, all right, like I'm in, like, let's figure this out. Like I want to, I want to get involved. FX hash has been my first intro to NFTs. You know, I've done some other crypto stuff over, I guess over the last year or so, but this has been obviously the big one. I'm the type of investor who likes to set it, forget it, check in every few weeks just to see how it's going, maybe move something around, but. Yeah, weeks are a lifetime in crypto, so it doesn't work like that. And also, you know, the thing is like, we've talked so many times about doing projects over the years, right? Like mm -hmm. all these like small business ideas. We'll have to go through a list of all of them at some point and just see what might still be viable. Probably none of them. So many like, I think this could be a million dollar idea. Oh, I think this could be like a million dollar idea. Like, let's like figure it out. And then losing steam and finding problems and just like blah, blah, blah. And then turns out the easiest way to start a project is to not care about making money on it, which, just is, do it. <laughs> which is why the podcast works. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, no, I mean, it's been fun, you know? Of course. Yeah. It's, if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it. It's, it's tied to our biggest interest at, at the moment. It is a chance for us to talk almost every day, even though we just live a few miles away from each other. And I think it's a good pandemic thing. You know, I think it would have been amazing March 2020, because that would have been a really good outlet of not seeing people and everything. But I don't think FX Nash was around then. So missed opportunity. Yeah, we actually had like a, the idea that we were working on last year mm -hmm. was kind of like, it was an NFT idea, right? Yeah. It was, it was kind of like, some of these things actually do kind of exist now, I've learned. Okay. It was like this like NFT subscription service. Yeah idea but we hit, we found so many problems and now maybe, maybe we need to revisit that one maybe that one i was thinking about that yesterday a little bit and you know at least based off of the nft world as i know it i don't know how viable it is you know maybe there's something there it just needs a bit of a pivot but we could always take a look yeah because there are some like membership services or like membership clubs out there that do nft drops and stuff and i feel like that's like very close to what we were talking about mm -hmm. but the model is a little bit different Right. Because those are like much more tightly controlled, smaller number of people. And you still have to provide value. I think that's the thing that I'm noticing with all of these, you know, a lot of the NFT brands and it's sustained value where I think what we were trying to do would be more like partnership based. You know, we're not committing to anything. We're just sending you stuff. We're the, the middle people. Right. Exactly. The idea was to take away or take out like all the FOMO and all the hard work that goes into getting into some of these competitive drops. None of this allow listing, none of this having to pay extra gas and stuff. Like you subscribe, you get your drop every month and you get like X, Y, and Z across a scale of rarity and scarcity. So you're always going to be guaranteed to get like one, one of one, and maybe then a bunch of other stuff in there, like on a monthly basis. But it was just, you know, it sounds easy, but then when you start f figuring out how to actually do it logistically, it's, it's not a, not so simple. So now, now that idea is out there, so someone can run with it. Please run with it. Because yeah, we're focusing on this for now. But yeah. What I mean, what else? Any any other stories? Anything that stands out that we should? I mean, after sixteen years of friendship, I'm sure there are a million stories to be had. 
it all kind of runs together, right? It it's does. Like hard to de demarcate one from another. We went to, I mean, I remember when we went to Canada a different time for work. That was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Driving around Toys R Us. Oh, yeah. All over, like, uh, the Montreal area, demoing the game, and then, like, really just having no supervision, being really young, and staying in a hotel with really slow room service. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I mean, there's nothing quite like spending four hours in a Toys R Us waiting for people to come along and want to try to play your game because obviously like retail was pretty dead even then. And then we're sitting across the the hall from, I think a Hannah Montana, like video collection. And so it's just Miley Cyrus slash Hannah Montana, just screaming at you for four hours. It was, it was a, on loop. a trip. Let's say. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the most interesting stories came from when we were younger uh, less securely employed, <laughs> less legitimately employed, and less, had less money. Yeah, less married. Because that—that's all that. Like, no commitment, no money. That's a formula for chaos. Yeah, right? like we were a in a growth like, mindset at the time. Right now, we're in a, a stable mindset. We we never had any weird. You know, we did some conventions and stuff for that game design job. But I don't. I think my weirdest story from doing a convention actually came from when I was working in Jersey and you were probably still in school, but like we had this game where we, we went to Gen Con mm. and we had this game called Quarriers. Oh, I think I actually went to that convention. Oh, did you work with us at that one? No, I wasn't working because you were at the company in Jersey and I was at, um, I just graduated. I wasn't in school anymore. We were probably demoing board games. Is that? Oh, you were just also exhibiting there. Yeah, just somewhere time. else. Yeah. So we had this game, this this like uh, yeah, Quarriers. So it was like a it was a deck building game with dice. So if you know like Dominion or Ascension, it was like a different take on that. It was actually super fun. I think you've played it a bunch with me. I've played right? it a handful of times. I couldn't tell you the rules at all. But maybe I'd we should revisit that. Again. Yeah. It's been a while. I have a copy of it still. And we we brought I don't know, however many units, like a thousand units or something. We were selling them for forty bucks at the booth and we sold through it all. But the problem was back then there wasn't like Square or any of the digital payment. So anyone who wanted to buy it had to pay us in cash. And I don't know why the quote unquote, you know, you know, now being the same age as the people who hired me then, I understand that just because you're 15 years older doesn't mean you're actually like fully accounting for everything <laughs> and all the contingencies and, and even that significantly more smart or capable. But we now had $40,000 in cash. Hell <laughs> and yeah. No like way. So so we ended up like each person took 10,000 and was responsible for like muling 10,000 in cash back to the office from Gen Con. Was <laughs> to there Jersey. any slippage? Not that I know of. Wow. But so also young, it was like so we, need, we need to break it up. We needed to break it up because you're not supposed to like fly with large amounts of money. No, you're not supposed to cross the border with large amounts of money. Cross the border. I don't know. So there was, there was like some sensitivity about that. And so we were like compartmentalizing it. And it's like one person would have 10K and another person would have 10K. And then when you get back to the office, just give your 10K to the owner of the company and he'll... <laughs> he'll do something very legitimate with he'll it, He'll do something sure. with it, yeah. Yeah, that guy was wild. You know, you have to be wild to own like... A little licensing business like that you have to have a you have a dream a strange strange mind i don't know if he had a dream i think his dream was 
to make money, which she did. I mean, that is a dream. We don't have that dream right now. We're podcasting. We're doing okay. No, the pod on the podcast side, no, but professionally, we're doing good. Yep. Um, Supporting a baby pop. Supporting baby pop. You probably hear her a little bit. Can we get a look at the baby pop? No, she's 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 sleeping. Okay. She's kind of she's good. Yeah, I don't know anything else. We, we we don't have to do a full hour here. I just thought it would be fun yeah. to kind of give a little bit of our history and show a little more of the personal side. Yeah, and we still do things together, you know, parties on your roof, you know. Cubing. Playing Magic the Gathering yeah, still. Magic. For a while there, we had a uh, our, our post-pandemic or our mid-pandemic treat once things opened up a little bit more was – go climbing for a few hours every Saturday morning. It had to be Saturday morning, not Sunday, because the bar we went to <laughs> on Sunday, the guy who who bartends, he plays a lot of pirate metal, which is nothing wrong with pirate metal. Like you do but you four hours fully of support. It is a lot. Yeah, exactly. So climb for a couple of hours, go get beer and play magic for a couple of hours, order some pizza. You know, it's it's a chill, stable routine. It was good pandemic living. Exactly. For sure. And now we spend our Saturday mornings podcasting, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, you know what? We actually might cube tomorrow. But, you know, my mom is in town, so. Oh, nice. I'm going to have a little bit of time to leave the baby and get away for a couple hours and and play some cube, which will be really fun. Oh, I'm in. I'm in for tomorrow. You're in? I'm in. Awesome. Awesome. So I think we have easily have eight then, which is the right amount. That is the perfect number. So let me ask you, so like, uh, if we want, let's do like one FX hash question and then wrap it up. Yeah. So here are my two questions for you. One, like what's the favorite thing that you've collected or obtained otherwise? And two, how has your level of like anxiety and just mental health around FX hash improved in the last month or two? <laughs> or, or has it continued to decline from like the mania of like FOMO and always having to be online well we're off right now so my fx hash mentality is much improved i had a really couple of hard weeks there around the time of mountain view not moves but i i feel like i have a much more stable like point of view don't fomo into things we're able to you know, see some of the, the longer term trends you know, I'm still a little bit hesitant to buy things on the secondary, just, you know, it's more fun to mint. But I think I feel a lot healthier about it overall. You know, I don't feel the need to set my alarm for, you know, 4.30 in the morning to wake up and try to hit something. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out in 1.0, to be honest. Like you're still have like your off sleep schedule, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sleeping like four to five hours, like from 3 a.m. to 8, 8.30 okay. right now. So I have a lot of time. I mean, that time is not just time I sit at the computer, though. Like that's when the baby is most active right now. So it's a lot of like up and down and feeding her and changing her and trying to settle her and then blah, blah, blah. I mean, anyone who's had a baby probably knows all this. They're nocturnal, which is a wild way to design a baby. Like, <laughs> you so. just rolled like moon equals true yeah exactly if you got a daytime baby it's uh, slightly more rare maybe oh well you, you gotta transition them over but what's your favorite piece that you've 
I was thinking about that. That you've um, got. You know, I really like A Center Near the Edges, which was one of the Lisa Orth pieces I picked up before it uh, it blew up. I obviously really liked the Between Stations that you very kindly gifted to me. Uh, another Lisa Orth piece. Just really on a roll here. Not like your Akis Dragon or your Red Iskra, like none of these no. like, stand above No, I, I would say that they really don't. Um, not that I have anything against the Akis Dragon, but I think some of the other dragons are more standout. I'm also much more excited about, you know, William's other pieces that are hopefully forthcoming. Yeah. What about you? Favorite pieces? Yeah, I actually just tweeted this the other day because Matt W was asking people, like, as we enter 1.0, like, what's your favorite? My favorite right now is this additive syn- synthesis I have from Landlines. Okay. I don't know if you've ever looked at that particular oh, collection. Oh, I, I saw closely. this. I, wasn't it actually Landlines that had tweeted this out? What is the favorite? Well, Landlines asked, what's your favorite of my stuff, like that you own or not? And then Matt W just asked, what's your favorite from the beta in general? And that project, I feel like the way that Landlines designed the brush that's used, it's the most realistic. Like, it looks like a photograph of like a painting. Mm. And especially when you zoom in and like the way it's blended, like to me, it feels more realistic than any of the other stuff I've seen on FX hash. Like I'm sure there's something out there that I'm not aware of, or someone can point me to something that looks like even more like a realistic application of paint, but that one just looks so good. And then like the colors, especially the one that I have, I think it just feels, it feels closer to a photograph than a piece of digital yeah, art. I'm trying to open it up is, right now, but IPFS is being very slow. I mean, I think that, there is one of the inspirations that I have for like a future logo drop uh, after I finally get done with what I'm working on right now, if ever, would be somewhere, it's, I would say slightly inspired by a combination of additive synthesis and absolute error in a way, just because they they look related to me. From an absolute error perspective, it would be the uh, the small, not the big. I was actually zooming in on absolute error a couple of days ago. And if you get in really close, you can see that it's not like just a color. It's actually just all of the colors in each streak. And so I think that's really nice quality that makes it feel richer. Like individual pixels, mm-hmm. you mean? And the, yeah, that's actually the trick that I used to make the paper color in the last logo drop, which is actually ironically the thing that makes it take so long to load is not the actual fractals themselves, but it's the rendering of the paper <laughs> or the background. Cause instead of just doing like background color equals like flat color, I just wrote like a little loop and set a small range of colors around the color I wanted to give it more of that like dyed paper kind of look where there'd be little inconsistencies in, and it kind of creates a more, a different vibe, right? It makes it feel more like yeah, real. Absolutely. And then mentally, I think I'm doing pretty good. I'm like, honestly, one of the things I was looking forward to with being staying up with the baby is like, oh, yeah, I'm going to like be in discord and like being in the conversations at night. It's and dead. Like get to see all the <laughs> it's dead. Like I'm I'm so bored at night now just trying to latch on to like any bit of like anything types, any anything or anybody types, anything interesting in discord. And I'm yes. like ready to write a par- paragraph about it because I've got I'm just sitting there like with my free time just watching the baby, waiting for her to I to feel fuss. like this might be a time for you to revisit Diablo 3. 
It just I was actually don't even joke because I've been watching a bunch of Diablo three videos on YouTube. A new, a new season is starting on April fourteenth, and I was like, should I? There's also a new patch for Diablo two. Oh, they re released it. I forgot they re released Diablo two, and they're doing actual like patch it, a patch for it. The first meaningful patch in twenty years. I think that you should do that. So, you know, you can pause it so it's not like like wow or anything where. You're stuck real time. But I've also been working on my, yeah, my new you project. Have multiple which is not, interests. A, not a logo project. You can try a, a lot of different things. Like maybe don't go and try to brew a batch of beer like at two in the morning while everybody's trying to sleep. I can't. I got rid of the brewing. No. I had to make space for the stroller. Well, all right. She's starting to fuss, so this could be a good place to end it. I gotta go to work. Any any parting any parting thoughts on friendship? Friendship is great. I highly advocate for for friendship. This has been an awesome exercise doing this podcast with you for the last four months. Crazy. And sticking to it. Sticking to it. Thank you for that. And I think that, you know, we should try to come up with some other ventures as well. You know, how do we expand upon this? How do we keep on growing and building? And it'll be interesting to see what the next 16 years bring. Right. (laughs) Driving lessons. Oh, yeah, for her. I thought you meant for us. (laughs) Yeah, true. Cool. All right, Trinity. Well, enjoy your day at work. Enjoy your day parenting. I will. And I'll see you tomorrow at Cube. Bye. All right. Later.